Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to our Thursday night Parashat Shavua class. This week's Shi'ur is sponsored by Mr. and Mrs. Jack and Biba Benkesus in memory of Mr. Yosef Maman Zichrono, Mr. Yosef Ben Maman Zichrono Libracha, Tehin Nafshot Torah B'Tzorah Chaim. And Bezat Hashem, the words of the Torah that we say this evening shall be uh, bring an aliyah for his neshama. Tonight we are studying Parashat Shelach Lecha, the parasha that one of the more difficult episodes to understand. The episode of the Miraglim, the spies. Um, we are going to explore this epic failure of the Miraglim who were sent out to scout the land of Eretz Israel. The Torah tells us, Shelach lecha nashim veyaturu et Eretz Kena'an, asher ani noten livneri Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, send men to uh, spy out Eretz Israel, the land that I'm going to give to Bnei Israel. Each man from his father's tribe shall you send, every one a leader among them. The text makes it very clear that these Meragelim, these spies, were not ordinary men. These men were that were delegated were leaders among their tribes. They were men of stature. And the Torah attests to this fact, but in the following pasuk that states, "Vayishlach otam Moshe mimidbar paran al pi Hashem kulam anashim rashi bnei Yisrael hema." They were distinguished men. Anashim connotes alashon of importance, of superior individuals, and they were leaders of bnei Yisrael, which makes the events that followed all the more surprising and difficult. To comprehend, more specifically, how did men of such outstanding character fall so easily and uh, and become prey to the evil inclination, the Yetzirara, which caused them to speak evil of the land of Eretz Israel, the special land that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised to give to the descendants of the Holy Avot. Clearly, the Meragelim were subjected to this daunting task and uh, they were not able to withstand the Nisayon, the test that came as a result from it. Uh, it's evident from the Pesukim that Moshe Rabbeinu anticipated that they were going to face a very, very severe challenge. And that's why the Pasuk tells us, Vaikram Moshe Leoshea Binun Yehoshua that after listing the names of the men, Moshe Rabbeinu changes the name of Hosea ben Binun to Yehoshua. And Rashi comments very famously, one of the most famous Rashis in the entire Torah, what's Yehoshua, the Yud Hey at the beginning, is Yah Yoshiacha Me'asata Meragelim. That may HaKadosh Baruch Hu save you from the plot of the Meragelim of the spies. In other words, the task that they faced was so trying and so difficult that Moshe felt it was necessary to pray on behalf of Yahshua, his most trustworthy student and disciple. A question that many commentaries are bothered with is why didn't Moshe, the greatest of all Nevi'im, see fit to pray for the success of the other Meraglim so that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would save them all? 
and not just Yoshua. Save them all from the Yetzirah. As we know, because of this horrible sin, the people were not permitted to enter Eretz Yisrael as originally planned, so it would make sense for Moshe Rabbeinu to save everybody and pray for everybody. Why just Yehoshua? <clears throat> With your permission tonight, we are going to explore this story in a much deeper light, in the words of the Arizal. This explanation is well known for those um, that uh, have studied this story in depth. We are going to look at the story in a little bit of a surface level, even according, uh, even according to the Arizal, surface level may be quite deep. But then we're going to take it even deeper. So I invite you to <clears throat> stay with me this evening, and I guarantee you that uh, you will be delighted, and I promise you you'd want to forward this shiur to uh, all your friends and family, because if anyone was ever bothered with such a story, as we all are, the story of the Meraglim, you will have a much clearer idea and a clear picture of what is happening behind the scenes. The Arizal explains that the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu wanted or prayed for Yehoshua and not for everybody else was because, and he writes this in his Sefer, that he was worried that the Meragelim might kill Yehoshua if he attempted to prevent them from going into Eretz Yisrael, from entering the land. Now, on the Sefer, on the Arizal Sefer, there is commentaries on what exactly he meant. Moshe did not pray that Yahushua would not be influenced by the plot of the Miraglim to speak disparagingly about the land of Israel, because that was on each person's will, or lack thereof, to fulfill the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But he prayed for Yahushua not to be killed along the way. The, the famous uh, um, disciple, um, or not, it's not a direct disciple, but commentary on this sefer, Rabbi Shmuel Vital writes, and he says that, and I just quote in, in, in English, that you can judge the actions of the Meraglim actually in positive terms, in a positive sense. They spoke negatively about the land of Israel so that they should not enter Israel. Why is it that they didn't want them to enter Israel? Because they found out about the prophecy of Eldad Umeidad, the two prophets who were prophesizing that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to die and Yoshua was going to take over. Moshe will die, Yoshua is going to take them in. Therefore, they didn't want Yoshua to take them in. We'd rather have the teacher. We want Moshe to stay alive. And once we go into Israel, that means Moshe Rabbeinu has to die. So it's preferable to kill Yehoshua and prevent Bnei Israel from entering the land, and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu will remain alive as well. So therefore Moshe Rabbeinu found out that this was what they were plotting against, and they said, May God save you from the plot of the Meraglim. Now, let's just pause right here for a moment and, and, and put all cards on the table. Even if we actually concede that the Miraglim committed a, a sin, Lishma, for the sake of heaven, Lashem Shamai, because they really wanted Moshe Rabbeinu to, to stay, they still deserved punishment. They committed a Chilul Hashem, Mamash a Chilul Hashem. God says, do something, you do something else. Uh, they, 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 they contradicted 
Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and what you know, who promised us is Eretz Zavat Chalav Udvash, and then they're coming back and they're saying it's not so. Uh, so we, we just because they may have done this Avera Lishma doesn't mean that they are not worthy of punishment. So according to the simple explanation of the Arizal, we can, we've explained why Moshe Rabbeinu only prayed for Yehoshua and not for behalf of the other spies. But now, in, in that same Sefer, he brings a deeper explanation in which he presents the mission <clears throat> of the Meraglim in a totally different light. He brings to our attention a nuance in the text regarding who the Meraglim were when stemming from their tribe, the princes. <clears throat> and he quotes Ephraim and Menashe. Ephraim, is, uh, Ephraim and Menashe are the two sons of Yosef. Now, with, if you pay close attention, if you look at Shevet Ephraim, what does the Torah say? Lemate Ephraim Hosea Binun. The spy, the Meragel for the tribe of Ephraim was Hosea Binun. Whereas, with regards to Menashe, it says, Lemate Yosef, Lemate Menashe, Gadi Ben Susi. There is a correlation, there is a relationship to Yosef when listing the, the Meragel, the, the spy for Shevet Menashe. So why is it that Yosef's name is not mentioned in association with the tribe of Ephraim, but it is mentioned in association with the tribe of Menashe. So what the what the Arizal says is absolutely unbelievable. And he says that when Moshe Rabbeinu sent out the spies to scout the land, HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually sent the holy Neshamot of the original Shevatim, the original tribes, the sons of Yaakov Avinu, their neshamot were glued, were pegged along with them. Each one uh, uh, attached themselves to the leader of their respective Shevet. Why? In order to assist them, to provide them with more zechuyot, to succeed in the test. And therefore, when the Pasuk tells us, Kulam Anashim, these are all distinguished men, literally means they were the heads of the children of Israel. Who were the children of Israel? The Shevatim. The Torah is actually informing us the actual original leaders of the Shevatim were the sons of Yaakov. They were known, who was known as Israel. They attached themselves to the Meraglim. So now, according to this Arizal, this explanation, it makes a lot of sense why Moshe Rabbeinu prayed only behalf of Yehoshua and not behalf of the other Meraglim. Every other Shevet had the Neshama of their head of a Shevet, which was the actual son of Yaakov, to withstand this task that lay ahead of them. Yehoshua, however, was from the tribe of Ephraim. And he was Ephraim, the son of Yosef. He didn't have a distinguished neshama attached to him because the neshama of Yosef was attached to the prince of Menashe. Lemate Yosef, Lemate Menashe. So the, the, the soul, 
the neshama of, of Yosef attached itself to Menashe and didn't attach itself to Ephraim. So Ephraim, Misken, of all the, the, the tribes, he's left by himself. Who, what's going to give him that push? What's going to uh, uh, assist him? So Moshe Rabbeinu had to pray for Yeshua because Ephraim didn't have that extra neshama attaching him to help. This is why it says, Lemate Yosef, Lemate Menashe, to teach me that it was just him that had the neshama of the tribe. But Ephraim didn't have it. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to pray a special tefillah to save Yahushua from the plot and the fate of the Meraglim. Uh, that is why Moshe Rabbeinu had to change his name to Yehoshua. Yehoshua, in keeping uh, uh, with his tefillah, Yah Yoshiacha Miatzat Meraglim. And we know that Akadosh Baruch Hu's name, Yud K, is, is, is half of Akadosh Baruch Hu's name. In many references, it is uh, uh, God's name. So now, Moshe Rabbeinu Shevet, just we're going to stick on these letters, Yud, Yud, Hey, because they're very important. Moshe Rabbeinu's Shevet is Shevet Levi. Shevet Levi did not attach itself to any of these Miraglim. Shevet Levi didn't get a portion of Eretz Yisrael. There was no need for them to spy out. They didn't get a portion. They were part of the Bet Hamidash service and they lived in, in other cities, Yare Miklat. Uh, so therefore, by naming Yehoshua, by naming Hosea Yehoshua, Moshe was actually praying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would send the Neshama of Levi, Levi, which is Moshe Rabbeinu's ancestor, to attach to Yehoshua, because Yehoshua was like Moshe Rabbeinu's son, he was his prime student. He felt that the attachment of Levi's Neshama would help his disciple withstand the influence of the Miraglim. Let's explain this a little bit more. The name Yud K, we said, is the name of Akadosh Baruch Hu. There is a Mishnah in Masechet Midot that writes that in the Bet HaMikdash, there were 15 steps in the Ezrat Nashim where the woman stood, uh, or ascending from the Ezrat Nashim to the Ezrat Yisrael, where the men stood. Uh, it's, it's, it's written over there, And why were there 15 steps? In a connection to corresponding to the 15 Shir Hamma'alot, the 15 steps that are written in Teilim. And on those steps, the, the children of Levi working in the Bet Hamidash would sing and play music. They were the musical conductors and players at the time during the Avodah. And there's many, many references to these 15 steps throughout, throughout the Talmud. Uh, in fact, the Gemara tells us that, um, that especially during Sukkot, that's where the party was. On these 15 steps, in the torches and the harps and uh, you know, the juggling of the fire, everything was happening on those 15, uh, 15 steps. Um, these 15 steps also correspond to the According to the Ritva, just as a side point, he says that that's the rationale for enumerating the 15 ma'alot in the Haggadah Shel Pesach, where we say Dayenu. Kama ma'alot tovot. Right? Kama ma'alot tovot. There are 15 of them. There are 15 Dayenus corresponding to the 15 Shirham ma'alot and the 15, uh, 15 steps. So says, so says the, the Chachamim explained as follows absolutely beautif- beautifully. The Pasuk writes in Sefer Yishaya, 
Ki Hashem Tzur Olamim. Again, we see that name Yud Hey. For in Yud Hey, Hashem is the strength of the worlds. The Gemara learns from this pasuk that Olam Haba, the next world, was created with the letter Yud, and Olam Hazeh was created with the letter Hey. The two letters that form the divine name Yud and Hey. Now, seeing that the Bet Hamikdash provided kedusha and it provided life to the entire universe, both in both worlds. And, and there were 15 steps in the Beit HaMikdash corresponding to the name Yud and Hey, Yud Hey, which both worlds were created. And that's why Yud Hey equals, equals 15. So what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? Moshe Rabbeinu renamed Hosea bin Nun, Yehoshua. He added the Yud Hey, the divine name of Akados Baruch Hu, to Yehoshua's name. Why? Because through the singing of the fi- on the 15 steps in the Bet HaMikdash, what the Leviim were doing, were invoking the name of Yud K. They were invoking the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which with the two worlds were created, and of course the center of the universe is the Bet HaMikdash. So it's fitting that this name alludes to the Neshama of the head of Shevet Levi, whose descendants appeal to this name. And he was given, so Moshe Rabbeinu's tribe, Levi, says, I got to help my student, Yeshua. Misken, he's got no neshama. I'm going to pray and bring the Yud K represented by Shevet Levi, who sang on the Yud K uh, uh, Ma'alot, the, the 15 steps. I'm going to attach it to Yeshua so that he can be saved from the Atzat Meraglim. I want to just share with you something that I'm not going to pretend I know much about. But I know a little bit about. There is a concept that we often mention in, in our classes, and you've probably heard before, the concept of Gilgul. Gilgul is a reincarnation. Um, what exactly happened with the Neshamot of the original Shevatim that attached themselves to the Miraglim? So there is a difference between a Gilgul, a reincarnation, and an ibur. An ibur is an attachment to the neshama. A reincarnation, truth is, we're all reincarnations. And uh, we're here to fix a mistake that we had in our previous body. We're here to correct a blemish or a shortcoming of our prior uh, incarnation. The soul enters the body on the day of birth and doesn't leave until the day of death. And it has to experience all types of affliction and suffering in the physical body. Okay? And death is also part of the affliction. And then we hope to make a tikkun of that blemish that happened in, in our previous life. And then if we manage to finish the tikkun, then the neshama stays next to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, occasionally, however, the neshama of a tzaddik descends to Olam Hazeh. It ascends to this world but it doesn't become a reincarnation and enters the body. It simply attaches to a person to help him through a difficult situation or a trial or a nisayon. And it's not there to rectify or fix a blemish or a stain that the person has. This is called ibur, to temporary, um, uh, tempor- a temporary help in a person's time of need. So now, if the neshama of 
the tzaddik derives pleasure and, and what the person is doing is great and this ibur is experiencing pleasure and benefit because he's performing for it and he's passing his test, amazing. It'll even remain within the body for a short period of time until it leaves. But if this ibur, if this neshama attaches to the body and the person, God forbid, sins and doesn't do what he's supposed to do, behaves improperly, doesn't pass the test, then that ibur, that neshama runs away, flies away, it's gone. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a part of this. So the Arizal explains, let's go back to the Miraglim. The Neshamot of the Shevatim, we said that joined every one of their respective Shevet to help them through the trial. They didn't enter the Shevatim as a Gilgul, as a reincarnation, but rather as an Aibur, as a attachment to the, to the Shevet. They attach themselves temporarily to see if they can withstand the test. So when the Miraglim chose not to pass the test, when they opted to speak bad about Eretz Israel, the Neshamot of the original Shevatim, they left them before they even sinned. And they remained untainted. I can't stay here while, while they sinned. My, my Neshama is pure. I just want to help them. The fact you're choosing to go the wrong path, I'm leaving. How does the Arizal prove this? He says when they came back from the spying the land, the Pasuk writes, they went and they came to Moshe and Aaron. The Arizal asks, why does it have to say Vayelechu? And they went. The Torah already told us in the previous Pasuk that they came back from Israel after 40 days. It should have just said, They came to Moshe and Aaron. Why does it have to tell me that they went? So he's saying they went is not in reference to the actual Meraglim. The word Vayelechu and they went is in reference to the Neshamot of the Shevatim, is in reference to the Aibur, the attachment, the Neshamot attaching themselves to the Shevatim. They left. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. They were gone. They decided to sin. I'm leaving. They returned back to Gan Eden where they were. So that's why it says Vayelechu, Vayavo el Moshe velaron. The Maor Veshemesh on this addresses this uh, uh, contradiction and discrepancy concerning the stature of the Miraglim. How can on one hand they be Rasheh B'nei Israel? How can they be, you know, such important uh, in the distinguished individuals? And at the same time, they were, uh, they, they were people that spoke ill about the land of Eretz Israel. So he says that, he says that they, they, at the onset, when they went out, Kulam Rashi B'nei Israel, why were they distinguished? They were distinguished because they had the Neshama of the Shevatim attached to them. Kulam Rashi B'nei Israel Hema. But once they began to speak ill, the Neshamot left, and then they came back, and they were not on the they were not on the same level. So so that's uh, the, uh, so already when they embarked on the mission, okay, they were they were in of themselves they were not good. They were only really considered and distinguished because they had the Neshama attached to them. And when they came back and the Neshama wasn't attached to them, they were just to the average the average Joe, I guess, that was chosen to uh, uh, to, to go to on the um, on this on this uh, search on the mission. Um, <clears throat> fine. Why was Kalev, we're going to get back to Yoshua soon. Why was Kalev saved as well? So Kalev had 
this the pasuk writes very specifically ve'avdi kalev ekev hayeta ruach acheret imo but my servant Kalev, because a different spirit was in him, he followed me wholeheartedly, unlike um, the uh, the other ones. So the Arizal explains that the other Medaglim, the other ten, or the other nine, mind you, uh, sorry, the other the other ten were had a different neshama related to the Shabbatim. That, but 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 they didn't attach themselves to it. They chose to forgo the holiness of the of the neshama attached to them. But Kalev had something special about him. He had the ibur of Shevet Yehuda because he came from Shevet Yehuda, and as that ibur was so strong that he didn't sin, and that's why he was able to fulfill the mission properly and not fall into the trap of the miraglim. Yoshua was saved because Moshe Rabbeinu prayed for him. Kalev was saved because he had to go to Me'arat HaMachpelah to, to pray by, by, the, by the Kivrei Avot, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And he didn't sin with the, um, with the evil thoughts that came with the, other, uh, the, with the other Meraglim. With all this in mind, we're going to go just one more step deeper. And you're going to see how things are going to connect. Uh... In a previous story, also brought down by the Arizal, there is one other place in Chumash where the word Meraglim is used, not in this week's Pirasha. The word spies are used. You may be thinking to your head, trying to recall that, that situation and that episode, but the episode was actually with Yosef and his brothers. When Yosef went down to Mitzrayim, uh, well, sorry, when Yosef's brothers went down to Mitzrayim to purchase grain during the famine and the drought, what does Yosef tell the brothers? He tells them, You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. That's very surprising. Yosef intended to make them squirm, I understand, and make them feel uncomfortable and suffer, you can call it, for the sake of forever, for what they did to him and for, for selling him to Egypt. Fine, makes sense. But Yosef was Yosef at Sadiq. He was a paradigm of what we call righteous, a righteous individual. Why would he violate the Kedusha of his speech? Why would he say something like that to his brothers when it's not true. They're not spies. He knows who they are. They're coming to get food. How could he utter a phrase that was a lie when he's fully aware that he wasn't the, that he was that they weren't a miraglim? Rabotai, based on what we learned just now by the Arizal, Yosef actually spoke the truth. He wasn't lying. He was hinting to his brothers all of them that were present, that they were destined, they themselves, their neshama, was destined to act as an aibur, to act as an attachment to the future miragalim, who were delegated to scout out the land of Eretz Yisrael in the future. So what Yosef was actually telling 
the brothers, is you are going to attach to the Meraglim in the future who are going to see Eretz Israel as an undesirable place. As a frightening place, ervata aret is, is a lashon of negativity. It's not a, a, a positive term. This is what's going to happen. Now, what do the brothers respond to Yosef? Yosef lays down this accusation and he tells him, You are meraglim, you are spies. Now, Yosef knows that he's referring to the future. What do the brothers respond? Lo hayu abadecha meragelim. Your servants were never Meragelim, referring to themselves. Meaning what? The brothers are saying, we never took part in that future spy mission. We attached themselves, we attached ourselves to the spies, but when they came back to speak negatively of the land, our neshamot that were attached, we took off. We left. We didn't want anything to do with it. So look what's happening here. Yosef and the brothers are having a conversation in Egypt that is foreshadowing that is foreshadowing what is taking place a, 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 a few de- decades in the future. So what's ha- what, maybe even a few centuries in the future in the in, in the land in, in the desert? Yosef is telling the brothers, "You guys are spies." In reference to you're going to attach yourself to those miraglim and be a part of it. The spies are saying, "No, we're not spying the land." Meaning, we left the miraglim. Our souls picked up and took off because we wanted anything to do with it. Nevertheless, we have to explain why. What was Yosef's purpose? for even mentioning to his brothers that they were destined to attach themselves to Meraglim. Why even bring this up? Why even bring this up? There was Rabbi Yonatan Aibshitz, Zecher Tzadik, Vekados Livacha, provides us with a mamash, a gem. And he says, look at the pasuk that, that is written, once Yosef sees the brothers walk into the palace. The pasuk says, Vayaker Yosef et Echav, Vehem Lohikiru. Yosef recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Rabbi Yonatan Ayvshitz says, teaches us, according to the Arizal, that the Neshama of Yosef attached to who? To one of his descendants. It, it attached himself to one of the descendants named Yerovam ben Nevat. Yerovam ben Nevat came from Shevet Ephraim, which Ephraim was one of Yosef's sons. So one of the great-great-grandsons of Yosef was named Yerovam ben Nevat. He was, he was the first king of Melech Yisrael when the kingdom split. Shlomo HaMelech had a son, Rehovam, and... But at that point, Yerovam became Melech Israel and Rehovam became Melech Yehuda. Yerovam was one of the most evil men to ever live. The Gemara tells us he has no chelek in Olam Abba, even though he was a Jewish king. So the Neshama of Yosef actually attached itself to Yerovam ben Nevat, probably to try to assist him. Like we said, the reason why Neshama attaches to someone is to assist a person into getting through the trials and the Nisyonot that he has to go through. And But before Yerovam sinned with the Avodah Zarah, because he placed Avodah Zarah throughout the land, Yosef's Neshama abandoned him. Like we said, the Ibur will not stay when the person decides to go in the wrong direction, the Ibur will leave. 
says Rabbi Yonatan Ibishit that this is why the Shevatim wanted to kill Yosef. Please don't unmute yourself. Thank you very much. It's a little bit distracting. Uh, the, uh, the, why did the brothers want to kill Yosef, but ultimately they sold they sold him to slavery instead? It's because the brothers saw Beruach HaKodesh that the Neshama of Yosef was going to attach itself to one of the most evil Jewish men to ever live. And they said, why are we going to have this, our brother attach herself to a, a man that it's going to bring the, the whole Jewish nation to worship idols? How can we let this happen? Better we kill him. Okay, we're not going to kill him, but let's sell him to Egypt instead. Let's get him out of here so maybe he'll intermarry and he won't, and then we'll lose him forever so that his neshama doesn't attach to Yerovam ben Nevat. But what they didn't see was that prior to when Yerovam actually worshipped the idols and caused the Jewish people to sin, Yosef's neshama took off. That's what they didn't see. Yosef saw future events more accurately and completely. Yosef saw in the future that his brothers were going to be the Miraglim. But in contrast to his brothers, however, he also saw that their neshamot would leave the bodies of the Miraglim before they sinned, well, before they said that disparaging report of Eretz Israel, he knew they didn't participate in that negative report. That is the implication of the Pasuk. Vayaker Yosef etechav. Yosef recognized his brothers. Yosef recognized that his brothers were destined to attach themselves to the Miraglim who spoke Lashon Aram about Eretz Israel. But he didn't punish them on that uh, on that account because he recognized, he was able to see in the future that they didn't actually participate in the sin. The brothers themselves didn't participate in the sin because they took off. On the other hand, the brothers didn't recognize him. The brothers thought that Yosef was going to end up sinning with uh, when when he attached himself to Yerovam ben Nevat, they couldn't see clearly that Yosef was able to abandon Yerovam before he sinned, and that's the reason why they sent him into slavery. If they knew that Yosef was going to actually abandon Yerovam ben Nevat uh, when he sinned, they wouldn't have sold him. They wouldn't have wanted to kill him. Unbelievable what we have now. Now we can finally comprehend this intent of Yosef Atzadik. His brothers sold him into slavery because they foresaw that he was destined to attach himself to Yerovam ben Nevat, who ended worshipping Avodah Zarah. So they rebuked him. So, so, sorry, therefore, he rebuked them. He calls them Meraglimatem, Lirot et Ervat Aretzbatem. You too are going to be Iburim. You're here, you're, you're, you're selling me to Egypt because you know that I'm going to attach myself to Yerovam ben Nevat. You don't know that I'm going to abandon Yerovam ben Nevat. But let me tell you something, brothers. You are also going to be Meraglim. Meraglimatem, Lirot et in the future, there's going to be a time that you are also going to attach yourself to a group of individuals who are going to speak disparagingly about the land, who are going to see the land in a negative in a negative light, to which the brothers justifiably respond, and Yosef knew this. They asserted that they are not going to be to blame for this sin of the Miraglim because their neshamot would have left, and indeed they did. And this manner, 
he informed them that they had judged him improperly and you shouldn't have sold me to Egypt. While it was true that I was destined to attach myself to Yerovam ben Nevat, Yosef is telling them, to help him overcome the Yetzirah of the Avodah Zaram, I did not remain with Yerovam. Once I saw that he was not going to change, I left. And just as they would leave the Miraglim prior to the sin, so too he would leave Yerovam prior to the sin. And with this awareness, the Shevatim made peace with Yosef and acknowledged his status as Sadiq Yesod Olam. Rabotai, this is the story of the Miraglim. Now you know why, Yosef, why Moshe Rabbeinu had to pray for Ephraim. He had to put, uh, for, for Yeshua, who came from Ephraim, he had no Sevet to help him. He had no Sevet, so he needed to bring Levi, his own Sevet, to attach himself. And Kalev, the other uh, success, the other person who succeeded in the mission, he had Yehuda, who, by the way, made mens with Yosef. He had to do, he had to make that uh, teshuvah in Parashat Vayigash, where they come to terms and they say, and they come and they embrace. They had to do that, otherwise Kalev wouldn't have been successful either. So it's no coincidence that the two Shevatim that were that that were represented by the spies that were successful, Yehuda and Levi, were the ones that. Uh, either A, Levi was not involved, um, uh, uh, was, did not have that neshama go there and attach because they didn't possess the land of Eretz Israel. So Moshe Rabbeinu's direct influence helped Yoshua and Kalev, Ruach Acheretimo. He had a Yehuda who made mens with Yosef HaTzadik. This is what we're dealing with over here. And look at how it all connects how the story of Yosef and the brothers, we were not spies. It was all destined to take place again in the future. But that's how Yosef was able to rebuke them. Don't you sold me because you thought I was going to follow the evil path and attach myself to an evil man and stick with him? Well, you should know that in the future, that's going to happen to you too. But just like you were able to get out of the spy mission, I was also able to get out of Yerovam ben Nevat. And that's how they made peace together. And that's what we wait for. Although we still are here in Galut, waiting for the, uh, for the Mashiach, you know, that tikkun, that we, in a way we're still suffering with that sale of Yosef. But nevertheless, the sin of the Miragelim, which indeed, speaking negative of the land, took place on Tisha B'Av, which was obviously... The infamous state of the destruction of the Bet HaMikdash, the Bet HaMikdash, which combines, we said, the two worlds, the center of the universe, the 15 steps of Shira Ma'alot that the Jewish people sang and danced, and there's so much holiness that we hope to come back soon. This is what we pray for every day. We pray for Shalom amongst the Jewish brothers. We pray for people to uh, uh, seek peace and, um, and uh, amend all their differences and come to uh, you know, a, a point in their life where everything is good. And Bezrat Hashem, by, by studying the Torah, and we see here a perfect example of how one story in the Chumash, a story that bothered so many people, how can people do this? How can they stoop so low? They were distinguished individuals. They were distinguished individuals because of the Neshama of the Shevatim. But without the Neshama of the Shevatim, they weren't able to overcome the Yetzirah. Bezrat Hashem, we should be Zochem to study many more of these parashiyot to see the deeper meanings, and we, of course, we get we owe tremendous gratitude to the lives such as 
the Arizal who, who, who provide us with such amazing insights into these stories of Yonatan Ibshitz and all the Chachamim who made the Torah uh, uh, so much more appealing and so much more appreciative of the people that study it. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. Wishing you all a Shabbat Shalom Mubarak.